following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Well, indeed, He is the one that we praise and adore. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Beth, uh, for leading us. Uh, Ms. Beth's husband, uh, Mr. Tom, was my high school tennis coach. Uh, and I'll go ahead and tell you, 30 years ago, so I'm dating myself there this morning with that. But it is uh, such an honor uh, to have her lead this morning uh, in worship. And uh, my, uh, my wife, Bonnie, and I uh, are so honored uh, to be here uh, this morning, this is uh, really a homecoming in many ways for me. I'm seeing a lot of faces out there of uh, a lot of people, a lot of familiar faces. Uh, but it is it is such a joy to be here. Uh, and my wife and I, again, we've been looking forward to this. Uh, we want to thank you, Berlin Baptist Church, uh, as a church family. Uh, you didn't know me. You didn't know us. Uh, but you prayed for us anyway. And I want you to know that I'm standing before you this morning uh, as a testimony to the power of prayer, but also to the faithfulness of our Almighty God to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers. I want you to know this morning that God is faithful. God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful to Him, He is faithful to us. You know, I also want to say how blessed you are as a church to have the McCormick family as part of uh, your church family. I, I know that you know that, uh, but I, I want to, to say it from here publicly um, that I love this dear family. Uh, as Mike said, we've been friends uh, for some 25 years, uh, and we've walked through a lot of life together. Uh, we have encouraged each other. We've had uh, privilege to serve together a few times in various capacities, and I've watched, I've known them before the three girls came along. So I've watched them grow up and, and, and become the, the young, wonderful ladies that they are uh, and who love the Lord. Um, but I love this dear family, uh, and I know you do uh, as well. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And as you're... Turning to Exodus 15, you got Genesis and then Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And as you're turning there, I want you to think about a question. Who is God to you? Who is God to you right now in your life? As you consider the landscape of your life, you consider the circumstances that you're going through, who is God to you? How have you personally experienced the person of God, the character of God, the nature of God, uh, the power of God. How have you experienced God in your life? Who is God to you right now as we gather in this place? Maybe He is your provider this morning. Maybe there was or maybe there is right now a, a need in your life and you're pleading with the Lord to come through. I want you to know this morning that He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord who provides. It doesn't matter what your need is. He's Jehovah Jireh. He can meet that need. Maybe He's your guider this morning. Maybe there's a decision before you. It could be a business decision. It could be a, a, a career decision. Maybe a family decision. But you're seeking the Lord right now for Him to show you the way so you can make a decision. Lord, which way do I go? I want to make sure I do uh, what you want me to do. So, uh, Lord, show me. I want you to know He's Jehovah Rohi. He's the, the, the shepherd. He's the one who leads and guides you this morning. Maybe, maybe you know God as your restorer this morning. Maybe there was or is right now maybe some dissension in your life. Maybe uh, in, your, in your home, within your family, or within your marriage. Maybe it's a wayward child. And you're praying and you're pleading with the Lord. You're, 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 you're asking, Lord, please rescue. Please restore. Please bring that son back to you. Bring that daughter back to you. I want you to know this morning, He is Jehovah-Rohi. He's the shepherd. He's the one who, who provides and guides and restores. And, and if you're praying for someone right now, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Keep on praying. 
Because God is faithful. Maybe this morning He's your healer. I can bear witness to that. He's my Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. You know, I love to study the names of God, specific names. Particularly the Hebrew names that we find in the Old Testament. Names that God Himself chose to use to reveal His person. To reveal His character and His nature. And this morning, I want us to look at the name Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals. And the very first time, I think this is significant, when you see the names of God in Scripture, you look at the very first time that it appears. And there's a very specific reason that God does that. So the very first time we find Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals in Scripture, is Exodus chapter 15. So I want to read this. Exodus 15, beginning in verse 22. And this is what God says as Moses writes. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in His sight, and give ear to His commandments, and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elam where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms. And they camped there beside the waters. And they got on to the reading of His Word. Would you pray with me? Father, once again we come before You. We thank You, Lord, for the privilege it is to be here. And God, You have invited us to be here. It's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It may be homecoming, but ultimately You drew us to this place this morning. And so God, we do want to meet with You. You are the one we praise. You are the one we adore. And our hearts hunger for You. So God, speak to us in this place. God, we believe Your Word to be inerrant, infallible, inspired, breathed out by You, and written down by human hands that we could study it this morning. And so God, we pray You would give us the grace of hearing Your Word. The grace of understanding what Your Word means. And the grace to apply it to our hearts and to our lives, that we may walk out of here in obedience to You. And we together will make this our prayer in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, here in Exodus 15, we find the specific event for which this book is named. The Exodus. It's one of the most significant events in Old Testament history. And one of the most incredible events that took place during the Exodus is when God parted the waters of the Red Sea. Now, I'm sure you know this story. Moses had just led the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. And once they had fled, Pharaoh decided that he had kind of made a mistake by letting them leave. So he went after them and pursued them. And as the Egyptians approached, they found the Israelites blocked by the Red Sea. And so if you're the Israelites, you look forward and there's just a huge body of water. They're, they're blocked. They're trapped. And they look behind and there's this massive army that's closing in on them. And that's when Moses held the rod of God out over the sea. And Scripture says the water's piled up on both sides. What an amazing sight that must have been. There's an actual photo. One of the Israelites took a picture of this uh, during the event because they said, you know, Thousands of years from now, nobody's going to believe this happened, so let's take a picture of it. So one of them pulled out a Polaroid and they snapped this. It's, it, it, it's amazing. You know, it's Charlton Heston standing there, you know, with that, that, that rod. He was there that day. The Israelites walked across, the Scripture says, on dry ground. And being ordered by Pharaoh, the Egyptians followed in after them. Not a very wise move. And Scripture says the waters returned and drowned the entire army. God had led His people from captivity to freedom. 
And as they reached the other side of the Red Sea, they began to sing praises to the Lord for His miraculous deliverance. I mean, Exodus 15 records a a song of Moses. Just listen to verses 2 and 3 of Exodus 15. I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. The horse and its rider He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will extol Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. You know, there are several names of God that we find here in in this song of Moses. Yahweh, for example, appears numerous times. Yahweh is the, the name of God that reminds us that He's a covenantal God. He promised Israel that He would be their God and they would be His people. It goes back to the covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Moses also refers to the Lord as His Father's Elohim, His Father's God. You know, Elohim is the very first name that God uses for Himself in Scripture. Genesis 1 verse 1, In the beginning, God. That's Elohim. Bereshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created. It's Elohim. Reminds us that God is the Creator God. He spoke into nothing and created all that is. It's ex nihilo. See, man can take things and create other things. God can do it from nothing. And that's why He's Elohim. That's why He's the Creator of the universe. And Moses says, He's my Father's Elohim. It reminds us that God is faithful to all generations. Past, present and future. By Moses saying His Father is Elohim, it's another way of saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Friends, I want you to know this morning that God is faithful to every generation that has come before us. And we can know that He'll be faithful to us. And if the Lord Jesus tarries in His return, guess what? He's going to be faithful to every generation that comes behind us. God delivered the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians. He protected them. He gave them dry ground to cross the Red Sea. God is good. Hallelujah. But does the story end there? Does the story end with this high note of exaltation for who God is and what God has just done bringing us through the Red Sea? This is class participation time. The food is out there. So if you participate, we get done a little sooner. Is that where the story ends? Absolutely not. Because just three verses later. Now I want you to see this. We don't know exactly how much time, but in Scripture it's three verses. God is good. Praising God. Look what He has done. Three verses later it says, So the people grumbled. Sounds like me sometimes. The people grumbled and complained. Why did they do that? They had no water to drink. Those who were praising God and celebrating His faithfulness and goodness soon began to grumble and complain as they entered the wilderness. And they were frustrated because they had no water. Now if you jump down to the beginning of chapter 16, you'll see that they grumbled and complained yet again, but this time they had no food. They had no food, so they grumbled and complained. It's kind of like on homecoming Sunday when the preacher goes long and the food smell starts wafting into the worship center. You get hangry. Anybody get hangry? I do. I'm ready to eat. He needs to land the plane. It's time. They grumbled. No water. This time, no food. But God is yet again faithful. He provides water and He provides manna for them. He provided everything that they needed. And the cycle of whining and throwing a tantrum got so bad that they began to suggest that it would have been better if they had just stayed slaves back in Egypt. Can you imagine just the frame of mind that they would rather go back into captivity than to go with God? Yet how quickly they forgot all that God had done for them. But before we criticize the Israelites, we need to take a moment and consider our own life. Right? You know, have we ever been guilty of maybe taking God's goodness? 
for granted? We ever been guilty of maybe taking God's blessings for granted? How about seeking the Lord to meet a certain need? Maybe we, we prayed for God to move and do something, and when he, he did come through, we neglected to acknowledge that it was Him who did it, or acknowledge to thank Him for it. You know, when we pray for something and God comes through, we really need to cycle back around and say, Thank you, God. I prayed and you heard my prayer and you responded to my prayer and you did what only you could do. Thank you. Thank you for being God. You know, we live in a rural area. It kind of reminds us of, of being here. I love it. I've always kind of been a country boy that had to live in the city. I was kind of, kind of a country boy trapped in the metropolis. But now I, I, I live out in a rural area. We have a deer feeder in the backyard. Love it. And the deer love to visit us as long as there's corn in the feeder. As long as there's corn in the feeder, you just about set your watch of when they'll come through. But you let the feeder go empty, they boycott us. It, it, it's the craziest thing. I can, let, I can let the feeder run out, no deer. I can, I can wait a week, two weeks, no corn. I go out there and before I get back in the house, they're already eating. I wonder if we ever treat God that way in our life. I wonder if we ever do that. You know, as long as He's blessed and life is good, but let a test of faith come into our life and it seems that His blessings kind of cease. And what do we do? What do we do? See, God had just delivered them. Parted the Red Sea, wiped out their enemies, and they had a front row seat to watch it all. But we need to understand that a spiritual victory is often followed by a spiritual attack. Spiritual victory is often followed by spiritual attack. You know, some of the most intense spiritual battles are fought immediately after a spiritual victory. Why is that? Because Satan can't stand it when God blesses us. Satan cannot stand it when God is good to us. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 tells us that. And he will go the distance sometimes to make that happen. Fear, doubt, self-pity, loneliness, and nobody cares for me. You know, like this old hee-haw song that we saw, you know, gloom, despair, agony. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we get into this. You know, nobody cares for me, nobody loves me. And he feeds us one lie after another. That's what Satan does. Scripture says they came to a place called Mara. And it seemed as if their problems were now over because they could see off into the distance that there was a, a cool spring just inside. And so uh, they were so thirsty, I can almost imagine them kind of having a foot race to get to the cool springs. But their hope would soon be dashed because the wells of Mara contained bitter water. It was unfit to drink. So what did they do? They grumbled. And they complain. Moses, what should we drink? I got a picture of him right here. Yeah. <laughs> Just threw a temper tantrum out there. I mean, all that God had done up to this point. All that He had done up to this point. And Moses began to cry out, Lord, deliver me from these foolish people. Now, is that what it says? No. We wouldn't blame Moses if he had said that. We would probably think that too. But no, Moses did what we're really supposed to do, which is focus not on people or on problems, but focus on the Lord. And he says in verses 25 and 26, Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters. And the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in His sight, and give to His commandments, and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. You see, despite their grumbling and complaining, God continued to lovingly 
mercifully and graciously pursue them as He does you and me. He basically told them, stop whining. Just stop whining. I'm going to give you ten seconds, the Lord said His watch. And He said, get it out of your system. Go ahead. Go ahead and get it out of your system. Because this is a no whining zone. You know why? Because I've been too good to you. I've been, I've, I've been too good to you. I've been faithful to you. So stop whining. And it's during their wilderness journey that He revealed to them the name Jehovah Rapha. The Lord heals. The Lord led them, the Scripture says, from Marah to a place called Elam, where they would find 12 springs of fresh water and 70 date palms. We see that the Lord, watch this, turned their bitter water into sweet water. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever seen the Lord take a bitter experience in your life and turn it into a sweet experience? My wife Bonnie and I experienced something like that. We were married on September the 14th, 2019. We just celebrated our third anniversary. Now that's the sweet part. That's not a bitter part, honey. It's been very sweet. We headed down to Key West, Florida, on our honeymoon, rented a suburban, we drove all the way. Something I will never do again. You get to Miami, you still got three and a half hours to go. I was like, we're driving out in the middle of the ocean. Does it exist? Is there any land where we're going? So we decided if we go next time, they have an airport down there. You know, you can fly into Key West. And we decided next time we, we, we'll, we'll do that. But we wanted to go. It was a great adventure. We wanted to drive the seven-mile bridge. We wanted, to, we wanted to experience all of that. And so we had a great time. You know, we, we, we snorkeled. We went on a boat tour. The mangroves. We took a dinner cruise. Blessed time together. Time that we would look back on in just a few days. We would look back on with great fondness and we would cherish those moments and just be so grateful to God that we were able to go. I had episodes not feeling well. Just massive waves of fatigue would come over me. And, and I tried not to say much to body. I mean, we're on our honeymoon. I, I didn't want to, you know, I, I just wanted us to, to have fun and to get through it. And, um, but it got to a point one afternoon where I, I just, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. You know, we were, we were browsing in and out of shops out on Duval Street. It's kind of the happening place at Key West. There's a lot of little shops you can go in and, and whatnot. So we were, we were walking along there. And, and I got so winded that I nearly had to lie down on the sidewalk. Of course, that wouldn't have been a very unusual sight down at Key West, lay out on the sidewalk. Because it was, it was a very, very interesting place, you know. Pretty place, but, you know... It, it, uh, a lot going on down in Key West. So we went to a nearby fire station there, and they checked my vitals. They even did an EKG on me at the fire station. And uh, the guy said, well, you know, you, you might be a little dehydrated. A lot of folks come down here, and they forget that they need to drink a lot of water while they're down here. So, so we left. We went on to a dinner cruise and everything. They had a great time. But deep down, I could sense that there was just something else going on with me. You know, you can kind of tell when you just don't feel right. You can just kind of tell. Um, but we finished the week. We uh, made that long drive home. Uh, and when we got home, I called my doctor, Dr. C. And he began running all kinds of tests, did extensive blood work, and, and found out that, you know I was anemic. That was the first thing he found. So he sent me to the hospital to receive a couple of units of blood. And, and by the way, I just want to say this. is someone who's had over 30 blood transfusions, I thank you for giving. If you give to the American Red Cross, you donate blood, thank you and keep doing it. I did for years. Never, think, never thought that I'd be on the other side. Never thought that I'd be the one that would need it. But Leviticus tells us that life is in the blood, and that's very true. Uh, so thank you for your, your donation. But um, went to the hospital, received two units of blood. While we were there, my doctor walked into the room. You know, he had just driven to the hospital. You know, my, my first thought was, 
you know, didn't really think much of it. Oh, it's very nice, Dr. C, for, for you to come up and, and, and see us, you know. Didn't really think much of it. But when he asked the nurse to give us the room, I knew something was wrong. I could see it in his eyes. I could hear it in his voice. And he looked at us and he said, you know, there's no easy way to say this. But you've got cancer. I can't describe to you what it's like to hear that C word. You know, I've, I've been with a lot of families over the years. I've, I've walked with them. I've, I've, I've through, through, through ministry and a lot of hospital visitations and nursing homes and visiting people in their homes. And... But when the word's used in your context, it hits you. It hits you like a two-by-four right over the head. It's like the earth stopped spinning. Time stood still. Everything sounded muffled. I mean, there were still things being said, but I couldn't hear them. I kind of zoned out in that moment. They medically transported me that night to UNC Cancer Hospital in Chapel Hill. I remember riding in the back of that ambulance just scared to death about what we just heard and about what the days ahead might bring. So, 11 days after we got married, 11 days, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, ALL, B-cell, Philadelphia chromosome positive. Um, It's a common type, uh, more common for adolescents than it is is adults. Uh, Many of the precious kids at St. Jude um, have ALL. It's, it's, It's more common with children. So, I benefited personally from from St. Jude Research. ALL is a it's an aggressive cancer, requires extensive chemotherapy, and in many cases bone marrow transplant. If there's a chance for a cure, now we know that God is Jehovah Rapha. We know that He's sovereign. We know that He can heal without medicine, and He can heal without doctors and medical staff, and all of that. He uses all of that are tools in His hand. He's our healer. But this is what they were telling me. We could be looking at a bone marrow transplant. I'm trying to process all this. You know, Bonnie and I were, you know, we just got married and we're, we were hit with this and we're just, just, just trying to process this. And, and so after, you know, 40 plus chemotherapy treatments, I, I underwent total body radiation and I underwent a bone marrow stem cell transplant. And one of the most amazing parts of the story is that there wasn't a donor for me in the National Registry. And this is going to be another plug. You go to bethematch.com and you can be swabbed and, and be tested and be entered into the marrow, the donor database. Okay? So you, can, you, you could actually be a donor to help someone uh, like me. Um, but there wasn't a match for me in the National Registry. But my sister was a perfect DNA match. Now, this is an amazing thing because even with the same blood type, uh, and we, we were the same blood type, but even with a, a related match, a sibling, there's still only a one in four chance that it would be a perfect DNA match. And my sister was a perfect DNA match. So God had provided what I would need from birth through my sister. Forty-four years before, He provided what I would need for a transplant. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. Now, if you check my DNA now, it says I'm female, but I'm not female. I'm a male. I've always been a male. And our blood type was the same. Be positive. And that was really, that, that was like, Lord, I, I want to keep that as my attitude. My blood types be positive, so keep me positive. And ALL became all glory to God. Because we turned it over to him. I was admitted to the hospital for, for each of my treatments, they were inpatient. So I'd be in the hospital eight or ten days for each of those chemo treatments. And so I've, I felt like I spent most of 2020 in the hospital. And with the pandemic, uh, there were times I couldn't have visitors. So I'm just in there by myself, which uh, was dreadfully depressing. But I can't thank my wife enough. You know, she's such a blessing from God. 
She'd stay at the hospital. She'd get up at 5 in the morning, drive an hour to go uh, teach uh, kindergartners. Uh, I call them germ carriers. Um, she, 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 she would drive. She'd teach all day. Then she'd drive an hour back to the hospital, stay with me, get up again, and do it the next day. And, you know, we, we look back at all of this and how God just continued to provide everything that we needed. We have no idea how. We have no idea where you know, finances came from or any of that. Just We look back on all that and it's just only by the grace of God that we are where we are and that He brought us through like He did. I'm considered right now to be in molecular remission. That means that in 100,000 blood cells that they test, there's no trace of cancer in my marrow, which is an incredible, incredible blessing. So the transplant was successful. And on the 20th of this month, really about 11 days from now, I will celebrate my second anniversary post-transplant. And I'm doing well. Praise be to God. The five-year mark is, is really what the doctors are looking for. Five years. Now, they're very hesitant to use the word cure. But they said, you know, if you get to five years, uh, the, the, the chances of it returning are, are very, very low. So, I'm at, I'm at year two. So, we ask you to continue to faithfully pray for us as we continue on this, this path of, of, of healing. And uh, we thank you for that. You know, God turned a bitter experience into a sweet experience. Because uh, apart from providing healing, He's using our story. He's connected us with a lot of people. People through the hospital that we would meet while I was out running my lap. Uh, you know, not running, but walking my laps around the nurse's station. I didn't run, I promise you. But I did manage to walk a half marathon around the nurse's station. I got a certificate and all that kind of stuff. They, they encourage you to get up and walk even if you don't feel like walking. And there were many times I did not. But my wife would push me because she knew that I needed to. Um, and we met a lot of people. People that we still stay in contact with. And we talk to and we encourage. And um, So God's just continuing to use that for His glory. And that's what we prayed that He would do. You know, Exodus 15 is a song of victory. It's a song of hope. It reminds us that God is with us. All power belongs to Him and all healing belongs to Him. You know, it's encouraging to, to, to read when you go through a bitter experience in life, this story. And there was one evening I was lying in the hospital, lying in the bed, and just tears kind of running down my cheeks. And I thought, Lord, is, is this how I'm going to die? And I said, oh Lord, please don't let this be the end. Don't, don't let it be like this. You know, there's still so much in my heart that I want to do. I, you just got married, you know, I have... I have desires to hold a baby one day. There's still so much, Lord. Please, please don't let this be my end. And I took my iPhone and I turned on the flash. You know, like like you do, you turn on the flash, uh, like a flashlight. I opened my Bible to Exodus chapter 15 and I read the song of Moses. I read the song of victory. Uh, right on down to verses 25 and 26 where it says, I, the Lord, am your healer. <laughs> I said, okay, God. You got this. Oops is not in your vocabulary. This didn't catch you by surprise. You prepared us for it. And you're going to get us through it. So regardless of what the days ahead are going to look like, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do my best, God, to hang on to you. Because you're faithful. And I know you are. And I know you can do all things. You created my body, and you know how to heal my body. You know exactly what's going on right now in my marrow, and you can fix it, God. And so I am claiming that you are my Jehovah Rapha. I believe that, God. And I claimed it. Right there. Right there in that hospital bed, I claimed it. I was walking through a test of faith. I had entered the wilderness... But Jehovah Rapha was with me. He was with me. You know, the word Rapha occurs about 60 times in the Old Testament. The word Rapha. It always means to restore, to heal, or, or to cure. I like that. 
And it's often used in relation to physical healing. But you know, it can also be used uh, to refer to moral healing or spiritual healing. You know, God was making a point that He is the, uh, He is the one, He is the only one who can make a broken person whole again. The Lord is the only one that can do that. He alone has the power to restore and even turn bitter experiences of life into sweet experiences. And once again, God was faithful in providing for His people. You know, we may find ourselves at a place like Mara, but friends, I want you to know God wants to take us to Elam. He does. He wants to take us to Elam. He wants us to experience Him and to walk with Him. And, and Elam, by the way, is also a picture of a future promise and a future place. See, right now, think of it this way. Right now we're living in what might be like Mara, kind of a, kind of a bitter place in this sinful, fallen, broken world. But Elam is coming. That heavenly promise. Are you with me this morning? Elam is coming and we will be delivered from this. We'll be delivered from this sinful, fallen, broken world and we will spend eternity with Him in heaven. Mara, but there's Elam. Praise God He wants to take us to Elam. Are you with me? If we're in Mara right now in our life, maybe some bitter circumstances going on, how do we get to Elam? I want to give you three statements from this text. Three statements. First of all, we must listen carefully to the voice of God. Listen carefully to the voice of God. You know, one of the most helpful questions we can ask ourselves when we find ourselves in a place like Mara is, Lord, what are you trying to say to me right now? What what are you trying to say to me in the midst of these circumstances? Because God, I know you never change. Your word tells me that. You know, as the Chris Tomlin song right now, it's one of my favorite songs always. You're, you're, You're the same, God, yesterday, now, and always. You're the same. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. So what are you trying to say to me right now? Because I know you're the same God that I praise and celebrate in times of victory, and you're the same God that I trust and lean on in times of adversity. And sometimes we're better positioned to hear from God when we're in a place like Mara. Right? Because it's often... It often doesn't take much for God to bring us to the end of ourselves and get our attention. I can tell you very clearly when the doctor said it's cancer, the Lord had my attention. But rather than question God, I tried my best. Lord, what on earth are You doing? What on earth are You trying to say to me and teach me in the midst of this? What do You want me to learn as I walk this road? Ask the question, then be quiet and listen. And in addition to being quiet and listening, couple your praying with reading and studying God's Word. Stay in the Word. Because I want you to know, knowing the will of God is directly related to knowing the Word of God. Knowing the will of God is directly related to knowing the Word of God. So if if you're right now in a place that's like, Lord, I, I need to know what Your will is. Well, you need to know what His Word says. You need to get in the Word. So pray and listen and get in the Word. Get in the Word. They go together. So listen carefully to the voice of God. Here's the second one. Trust wholly in God's provision. Not only listen to Him, but trust Him. Trust wholly. In God's provision. This goes hand in hand with listening carefully. You know, instead of grumbling and complaining, let's do our best to trust God and His faithful provision. Again, God never changes. His love never changes. His truth to lead and guide us never changes. And He promises that if we seek Him first, He'll take care of everything else. See, there were, there were days when I felt awful and just didn't know what the future would hold. And there were, there were times I wasn't sure at all if I'd come out on the other side in this life. But again, I believe the Lord was Jehovah Rapha. I believe the Lord was going to heal me. One way or another, okay? One way or another, God was going to heal me. So I sought to trust wholly in His provision. 
You see, I'll be honest with you this morning. I, I don't know why God chose to test my faith through cancer. The truth is, most of the whys in our life will never be answered this side of eternity because God's never obligated Himself to explain things to us. And if He tried to explain it to me, I wouldn't be able to understand it anyway. I wouldn't be able to comprehend it. I've heard people say, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord about this. I'm going to ask the Lord why that happened. I'm going to ask Him this or that. No, you won't. You just won't. I always tell them, you won't. And the reason being is that it won't matter because you'll know in that moment that all the pain and suffering that we walk through in this life is worth it all. It is. Because we'll be with Him in Elam. And that makes all the difference. I can tell you, having gone through the wilderness, cancer, I know God more intimately. I desire to worship Him more passionately and serve Him more fervently. Um, you know, truth I'd only preached about or taught about, I've now experienced personally. And I've lived. You know, it's a strange thing when you face the reality of a, of a life-threatening illness and, and, and not knowing what the, the days ahead were going to bring. And of course, that's a massive battle. You know, a, 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 an illness like that is every much... It is a physical battle, but I want you to know the battle of the mind is very, very severe. The battle of the mind is very, very severe. Um, you know, you start to see life with new eyes, don't you? You start looking at eternity in a different light. Death and, and heaven and hell with a, a deeper understanding. You, tar- you start meditating on the love and the mercy and, and the grace of God in ways you never have before. And you, you start taking inventory of what matters in life and, and, and what doesn't matter. Uh, in life, and um, you start seeing sin in your life with new eyes. You start seeing everything in your life with new eyes. And many of the things that once aggravated me and frustrated me to no end are no longer on my radar, except for road rage. I still struggle with that one. I cannot shake that. It scared my wife half to death driving from North Carolina yesterday. And I said, honey, I'll be glad to pull over and let you drive. But things I once thought were important are really kind of trivial at best now. I mean, it really does put things into perspective. You know, I spent years, for example, living in fear of others. Fear of of disappointing them. Fear of not being liked. or Fear of, of always having to fix every problem that I encountered. You know, I, I was a people pleaser. I really was, which is really difficult when you're in ministry because it's impossible to please everyone. And some people, it doesn't matter what you do for them, they're just never going to be pleased. So you just just let that go. Just let it go. But I often lived with a fear of man to the degree that I sometimes failed to speak the, the whole truth or I avoided conflict or I avoid having difficult conversations with people because I just didn't want to, to face that. I sometimes neglected to do the right thing, say the right thing, which in the end always hurt other people anyway, right? So the truth is always best. Even when it's inconvenient, even when it's unpopular, even when it's unpleasant, because failing to tell the truth is even more painful in the end. Through this journey, I've I've come to trust wholly in God's provision. I really have. Let me give you one final statement. We must obey fully God's commands. Obey fully God's commands. You know, when we find ourselves at a place like Mara, we should look and see if there are any areas of disobedience or sin in our life. It's not always the case. But sometimes, you know, we, we have self-inflicted issues going on in our life. We bring them on ourselves sometimes. Sometimes we do. And so, if we, if we are at a bit of a place like Mara, maybe we need to say, Lord, is there something I'm just not seeing? Is there a blind spot in my life? Is there some area of disobedience, Lord, where I'm not obeying You like I ought to? Lord, please show it to me that I might confess it, repent of it, and, and get back on the right road. There are times when God just wants us to see sin in our life. And sometimes He uses places like Mara to help do that. You see, the world needs to know that God is a God who heals. The world needs to know that. He can 
cure the deep wounds that sin has wrought. You know, the Bible is filled with stories of God healing people from spiritual illnesses and physical illnesses to, to even mental illnesses. The Bible has all of those stories. You know, whether, whether it was the leper or whether it was the lame man, whether it was the blind beggar or the demon-possessed man, or the one enslaved to sin who just needs to, to come to Jesus and confess and repent. The Bible is filled with stories of healing. You know, God can heal any sickness and disease, including the sickness of sin, which, let me tell you, is a terminal sickness. Sin is terminal. It is. We're all born with that condition. The Bible is very clear on that. And sickness and pain and death in this life exist because sin exists. Every tragedy, every challenge of life is a reminder that we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. So we know that God can heal any sickness. But listen to me on this. Does He always choose to heal in this life? You know, hospitals are filled with people who are distressed and suffering. Is it God's will that they all be healed in this life? Track with me, I'm almost finished. Is it God's will that everyone who's sick be healed in this life? Well, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. But I will come again so that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I can't get to that place unless I die. I can't. We know that because flesh and blood cannot enter the heavenly kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that. So unless Jesus comes again in my lifetime, okay, or I'm raptured up out of here, death is inevitable for me. One day I will face death. But that's okay because death is just the pre-rapture vehicle of taking me to glory. Right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's the way we need to view death right now. It's a, it's a pre-rapture vehicle. Now, if He comes and raptures us out, out of here, I mean, today, it would be a real homecoming, right? But death is really just a pre-rapture vehicle to take us to glory. So the truth is, all physical healing really is temporary healing. Okay, now don't tune out and tune back in. That might sound like a heretic, and I really don't want to do that. But all physical healing, even the healing that God has brought to my life, it is temporary healing in the scope of eternity. Okay? We know that because the death rate's 100%. It is. Unless Jesus comes in our lifetime, none of us are going to make it out of here alive. Now, I don't mean to be a downer, but I'm just telling you truth. The death rate's 100%. So even if God heals someone and they have more time on earth, eventually death will come. But a lot of times God gives people more time on earth because they need to be healed spiritually, not physically. I've prayed for people before. Lord, you know, and standing around with families. And, and yeah, we're focused on physical healing, but Lord, in my mind, in my heart, they don't know You. Their greatest need is not physical healing. Their greatest need is spiritual healing. So God, I pray that You'd rescue them in their sin right now and heal them of the greatest sickness of all, which is sin. The Bible instructs us to lay hands on those who are sick and to intercede for those who are in need. And sometimes God chooses to physically heal in this life and other times He chooses to take them on home to be with Him. That's ultimate healing. That's ultimate healing. But as we pray for the physically sick, here's my point, let's also pray for the spiritually sick. The spiritually sick. Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's tell people about His death, His burial, His resurrection. Let's point them to the cross in the empty tomb. Let's point them to the Gospel of Jesus Christ because the Bible instructs us to do that as well. It's called the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. There it is. Obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. He's a faithful God. But that's the reason that we go. Because the people are spiritually sick all over the globe. People are spiritually sick. And many of them don't know it. 
The world needs to know that God is the God who heals the greatest sickness called sin. People need an exodus from sin. See, the, the, the story of the exodus in the Old Testament, oh, it, it's a picture of salvation. Because it's not just about the Egyptians being in captivity and being slaves back in Egypt and being delivered. It's about us being enslaved in sin and being delivered. We need an exodus from sin. That's the most significant event in anyone's life. Because I'm here to tell you that the eternal consequences of sin is eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. And I want you to know that there is no sickness, no sickness in this life that compares to that kind of torment. So as you consider Jehovah Rapha, the healing that matters most is not physical healing, although that's a tremendous blessing because that leaves me here, as Paul says, to live as Christ, to die as gain. You know, if you take me on home, great God, but if you leave me here, I'm just going to keep on serving you. I'm just going to keep on doing what you've put me on the planet to do. I'm going to keep on trying to be faithful to you. But if you take me on home, that's just icing on the cake. But the greatest healing that matters is spiritual healing. It's coming to a place in your life where you acknowledge that you need Jesus. And that you believe His death and burial and resurrection was sufficient your salvation, your spiritual healing. Friends, He's Jehovah Rapha this morning. And so I, my question is, has your greatest, your greatest spiritual need been met? I'm not asking if you come to church. I'm not asking if you read your Bible this week. I'm not asking if you pray. I'm asking, do you know Jesus? You know, those little cards that we used to use in church. You know, Bible read daily, check. Giving, check. Sunday school, check. Worship attendance, check. None of that stuff matters. You know what matters? Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. That's what matters. What matters is that our greatest spiritual need has been met. And so, if you're here today and you say, you know, I, I, I know about the Lord. I've, I've come to church. I've, you know, I, but I, I don't know Him personally. I invite you in just a moment. I invite you to come. I invite you to come. But I'm here to tell you, He's Jehovah Rapha. I can bear testimony to that today. He is a good and faithful God. He's a good and faithful God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.